0: Fresh off a long drive back from the Valley of the Sun, it's Bernie Neighbors, and I'm Jeff McCaragher. This is Borderline. All right. So, how many hours did it take for you? to So, all right. So, we just had an event out in Arizona. For those of you who don't know, so we had Super Hole and our first Pro Shootout out in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Awesome weekend, great venue. Yep. Um, and you had to drive the truck out there, and by truck, one of those huge box trucks. Yep. So drove out there, drove back. How many hours was that coming back? How, how was the journey?
1: Uh, I mean, we, we, went, we wanted to watch the Super Bowl, right? So we left Sunday morning, probably got a late start, ended up watching it in Santa Fe, stopped in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is a little out of the way, but not really with, with the way that you can come back. But the next day, drove from Santa Fe to Memphis, and that's a haul. That's a, that's a, that's a long way to drive in a big box truck. And then from Memphis to Atlanta yesterday, and then Michael Kane drove on back to Charlotte last night.
0: So we've talked about this before, but any any yeah. big adventures? Did you see anything interesting? All right. is, we're, is I mean, we're driving. I mean, what, what do, what I do mean, you guys talk about, like, for 20 hours?
1: We don't. You know, we <laughs> talk about stuff, and then you put your headphones in, listen to music, you know, at times. and Yeah. I mean it's it's a lot of time to be stuck you know, in mean, on this is not a comfortable ride. This isn't no. you know, Josh Josh Keck obviously goes through it too. This isn't your car. Right. This is right. Yeah, it's not fun. I would I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, certain people like it. I mean, it's fun. Like when we go ways, like when we drove up to Santa Fe, that was cool. Never seen that before. Right. I I think I went on that drive from Albuquerque to Santa Fe when I was 20. I don't remember it. Um but driving up from Phoenix up that direction up towards Santa Fe, I've never been that direction. It's gorgeous. It's unbelievably cool. Right. I mean, it's amazing to see. The problem is coming back. Once you leave Santa Fe, you get down, you end up on 40. I mean, I've been on 40 a number a of times. Yeah, yeah. A number of times. <laughs> so I hate it. And there's just nothing to see. Like, look, that part of texas the panhandle of texas and then oklahoma through arkansas no offense to anyone that's watching that's from those areas there's nothing to see yeah you know it's flatlands and right. there's nothing and it's it that wears on you cuz that's a lot of hours just looking at nothing
0: yeah i've i've made the drive through texas a few times not as many times as you have but i've done it a few times and yeah there's there's not a whole lot out there
1: but in West Texas, you've got mountains and the desert. You know, it, it's kind of cool. But you know, the Panhandle up there is just like Oklahoma. It's no different from Oklahoma. You know, it's it's a pl- it's plain state.
0: Up I don't there. remember it, mountains in West Texas. I, I remember that really because, when you no, get down
1: towards El Paso on the border on oh, West. maybe Texas? because we were
0: up. Maybe because we were up further north. We were up like Midland, Odessa, on the way to. Yeah, Dallas. that so. area. Yeah, that area is
1: not. There's nothing to see but oil fields. But when you keep taking ten all the way down to El Paso. Yeah. yeah, you hit mountains, man. So it's desert, mountains. It start you start to climb in elevation. It's interesting. Yeah. It's cool.
0: The Phoenix area is beautiful, isn't it? Like like where I, we were. The I the love Scottsdale. Scott, yeah, Scottsdale is yeah. really pretty.
1: I like Scottsdale. I I, I, I don't like. Everyone says it. I don't know how I could handle July, August, September when it's one fifteen every day. I mean, I don't know how they handle that, but I, I love Scottsdale.
0: Yeah, I've got a buddy of mine out there. Uh, from college who lives out there and yeah i mean he said july august september you're basically just inside i mean you can't even go outside like it's, it's yeah. even hot he said it's even hot to be in the pool right because yeah. i'm sure the pool water's
1: almost you know probably over 100 degrees yeah like it's not even sitting out in the sun yeah
0: yeah it's just a sauna so but the rest of the year the rest of the year and when we were out there it's it's, it's great time, it, to be out it was gorgeous beautiful. and we got lucky because apparently
1: they were going through a little bit of a warming trend while we were there. So it was up around 70 in the afternoon and a little higher there in the last couple of days. So it was apparently in the winter, it still does get down, you know, pretty chilly, but, uh, I love
0: it. Yeah, I did too. So speaking of Scottsdale, uh, a very unique venue that we Mm -hmm. were in for super whole and, uh, and for the, and for the pro shootout and, um, and by, and by the way, yes, um, I now know that there was a half-naked woman behind me when we shot the open for ESPN. I didn't. Was there? Her. I didn't even see it. Oh my God, Bernie! They didn't. I, I didn't realize that there was, and David didn't tell me. I wish he would have, because I could have at least referenced it and said, "Wow, over my shoulder, what what a venue!" I mean, what known? what was behind you? So remember the chandelier? Yeah, with the dancer.
1: I mean, yeah, the answer she wasn't worked. half naked. She was wearing like a nude, but it was it was a one piece.
0: I mean, come on, you could see her ass. I mean, oh my god, man, be watch provincial. The watch the I've, open. I've,
1: you know, come on. It, yeah. in, in, in today's world, she could have been a lot less naked on. Te- I mean, a lot more naked on television.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, but but it's <laughs> but it was awkward for them I'm to sure. be over my shoulder and no one tell me about it. So I'm sitting here, you know, all Mr. ESPN, the, the, hello, you're, and you're welcome professional. to Arizona.
1: You're a professional, Jeff. Yeah, but it would have been a lot more fun. You can't even be distracted by nakedness.
0: It would have been a lot more fun to know that that, that was over my shoulder, so I could have at least referenced it. So so I, I didn't realize yeah. it. And so, you know, we of course, we we taped the open um, mm-hmm. about uh, anywhere between 30 and 60 minutes prior to broadcast. So we taped it, and uh, it's good. So I head back over to the announcer table and... We sit there and do our final prep and talk to the players as they're warming up. And then, and there we go. You know, three, two, one, we're on the air. David, our, our, our director slash producer, he hits play. We play the taped open and there it is. You know, I'm sitting there. Hello, welcome to Arizona and welcome to 2023 Super Bowl, you know, and this, this woman is hanging from the chandelier wearing nude colored tights. I mean, she, you can see her right there. And, um, I'm like, wait a second, what the hell is that?
1: That's funny because yeah. it must look completely different on TV because I actually spoke to yeah, them with those it was ladies very obvious. Back, back behind and, they, and you, you, I didn't even think of them as being underdressed. I mean, I knew they were wearing a, a form fitting outfit, a gymnastics type outfit, but I didn't even think of it being revealing. Yeah. That's when funny. you put
0: camera lights on it behind you, you, you yeah. can see, you can see a lot. Watch the open again. Yeah, yeah I, I will so, see how well, provincial you're actually being. Yeah, no, that, that's a big word. I don't know what that means, but it, it was, uh, it, it was. It was awkward. <laughs> what'd you what did you think of the venue? Right? Yeah, what would you
1: think of the venue? I, mean, like the I, whole I thought thing. the venue
0: was. It was the the whole thing was. It was for those who don't know. It was a, a really upscale place. I mean, like it was so incredibly bougie. I mean, people in there dressed to the nines, and oh, yeah. people in there with tons of money. I mean, lots and lots of money. I mean, we're talking high end executives. Um, with with brands with sports, um, I think there were some celebrities maybe who. Showed oh yeah, the, break,
1: the Breaking Bad cast rolled in. Did you see those guys?
0: I, I guess did not their, see them.
1: Yeah, their tequila was on on display. So Aaron Paul and uh, God, my brain. Main character, Ryan Cranston. Uh, yeah, they they were they were tooling around.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Their yeah. their Super Bowl commercial, by the way, was my favorite.
1: Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah we had the uh, ones, yeah. there was a couple other celebs in there, but. I didn't, re- you know. Quite frankly, our baseball celebrities. Well, Justin Turner. I mean, you and I talked about what a great guy he was. I mean, I oh, talked to that him, guy. Yeah. That dude is awesome.
0: Yeah, we're gonna try and get him on the show.
1: Yeah, that I guy's a baseball. legitimate, really cool human being.
0: Yep, World Series champion. Uh, now go to the Red gr- Sox. That'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, it was a great story. Did you did you talk to him at all about his story? Like one of the reasons why he's so grounded in the way that you know, because it took him twenty nine. You know, he was twenty nine before he realized, hey, I'm going to stick in the majors. You know, this is going to work for me.
0: Yeah, I I knew (laughs) he had a long journey in the minor leagues before he finally made it up. But no, to answer your question, no, I didn't, because we were having some issues on the TV side. Oh, yeah. Um, And so I didn't get a chance to get back to the green room where they were warming up until the very end. So I went running in there, dashed in there. Um, He played for the Norfolk Tides. That was one of his stops um, when he was at the Mets organization. And I just missed him. I was there for about four or five years prior to him getting there. So I just missed him, but we kind of, kind of commiserated about that. I, that you know, talked to him about his cornhole game. Super nice guy. So no, I mean I talked to him for like four or five minutes, and that was it.
1: Yeah, I talked to him afterwards, and I probably talked to him for thirty minutes. And I mean, you know, I, I'm interested. I start asking questions, and I'm like, you know, so what's it like for someone like you to deal with a 21 year old that comes in there? You know, they're 19, 20 when they get to the majors. They've never had a, a setback athletically. You know, is that hard to be a you know to talk to guys like? He's like, yeah. He's like, he's like, what do you say to a 21-year-old kid that's in the major leagues that's never had a setback? What do you say to them? Right. Hey, you know, watch out for pitfalls. Really? What pitfalls? They're 21 in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Right? Like, he's, he's, but we, we talked for a while. He's the coolest guy, really interesting guy.
0: Yeah, he seemed, he seemed like a really grounded guy. I mean, he was, he was everything that I had heard about and, and what I expected. But, yeah, so, I mean, he, he truly would be a great podcast guest. He would. So hopefully we'll get him on and, and talk about his story. But um, yeah, so great storylines that came out of Arizona um, and, and the venue. Yeah. So, so the venue I thought was, was really cool for a change. Um, just just to have, I mean, it was just so incredibly high end. Um, I, th- I thought it was kind of cool. And then all the cars that were stacked in stage, it was just kind of a mm-hmm. cool. And, and uh, you know, I actually got some really good feedback on the broadcast as far as the crowd noise. Um, Kathy was telling me that uh, cause she was watching and I had a few other people who told me too, that the crowd actually sounded like they were really into it. So that's, I, so that I think cool. we got lucky
1: a little bit there. I, you know, that was the big worry behind the scenes was, yeah.
0: you know, the there party no stands, start,
1: Yeah. The no stands, yeah. the party started at six 30 local. Our event didn't start till 10 30 So That's four hours. We were expecting, and there were a lot of people that kind of came, you know, did some FaceTime for a little while and left. And that there, there was a lot of that, but the worry was. That's all it would be, right? And no one would stay around and watch. But and actually, I would say about half the people stayed and watched. And it was really cool to have that group of people there really because they saw the cornhole court set up. They they saw some of the pros practicing. And I think genuinely people are like, We've got to watch this.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? We've got to see what this is all about. They were legit into it. Yeah. And and I think I think something that really helped too is them being able to surround the court because again, there were no stands there yep. were there were high top tables where they could bring their drinks and and uh, and like finger food type stuff and when people started to kind of surround the court and watch the pros warm up and they even let some of the some of the the uh, the fans come out and and actually shoot on the boards a little bit and see what it's like to shoot from 27 feet away um, i think they instantly i mean literally like instantly got a greater appreciation for what these guys were doing especially jimmy mcguffin i mean oh, he he is, he, is, he is one of our just airmail greats everything in the hole in the hole in the hole and when he started doing that you know knocking off eight ten air mails in a row yeah i think it was when everyone's you know everyone, I, I could just see but the crowd. They're, they're, all all looking, yeah, they're all
1: looking around like is that real
0: yeah what the it, heck is it's this 27
1: yeah. feet for those th- those that play the game used to it doesn't matter to them but for those yeah. that don't really unless they're playing at their local bar or whatever when it might be 15 feet 27 feet and that's front to front so it's 30 feet it's 10 yards hole to hole yeah Right. That's that's a long way to do yeah. what they do. And we it's
0: make impressive. this analogy all the time when you and I go play golf like like last year when we played at, played it to uh, TPC Scottsdale. Yeah. The T the T boxes are way up. Sure. So, so, you know, we hit a great shot and, and and maybe, you know, every once in a while, get a shot on the green. Right. Yeah. But then you look at where the, the pros tee off from, and what? It's another, what, Bernie, 50, 100 feet back? Sure, sure.
1: Depend,
0: depending probably on the more. hole.
1: Yeah, depending on the hole, it could be 80 yards back.
0: Yeah, so. right, yeah. Sorry, yeah, 50 to 100 yards is what I meant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's it's way back. So I mean, it's just a totally different sport that that the cornhole players are playing from. I mean, when you go from yeah. 27 feet. And really, like I say on the broadcast, we, you know when we say 27 feet, that's, that's tip to tip. When you go hole to hole... I mean, you're adding you're adding another three feet. So, I mean, up the board. So it's really almost closer to thirty-three feet hold the hold hole. So, but it's a long way. It's a long way. But no, it was, Arizona was great. Um, we had some great storylines that came out of it. Um, I, I you know, Jamie Graham was looking to become the all-time winningest player in ACL history, looking for his 19th career title. And we were saying, I mean, he he was gonna have his work cut out for him because there's no one okay. playing better than Kyle Malone. Kyle won it. Uh, no surprise. I mean, he he really is playing a different level right now. And then Cheyenne changing bags that was that was such a you know such a a mystery behind the scenes. You know, if she was going to go with the sticky bags, uh, she did. She used the carpet bags and won. And then Ryan Wiedenfeld and Ryan Smith. Uh, I mean, we know about Ryan, outstanding player, uh, six career titles now. And then Ryan Wiedenfeld, just sixteen years old, his father unexpectedly passed away. Uh, just about probably about three weeks ago now, just less. Maybe 17
1: now. I believe he turned 17. Is it, did he In turn 17? Yeah, yeah. Either way. Yeah. Just yeah. a
0: young kid, and so yeah. and so the Ryan's win it on the double side. I mean, just some incredible um, storylines. I mean, as as fun as Super Hole was, uh, the shootout was the the shootout. I thought was was really and, and once again,
1: people stayed because Super Hole was first. So they watched yeah. you know baseball and football players play, and you know look. No offense to any of those folks, but it's not the same level of play. Even the pros, when they play with them, tend to – they're not as dialed in and as focused, right? You'll yeah. see them make more mistakes than they would normally make, right? right? When the people actually saw the pros start to play and start to manipulate the board and, and start to do – because, like, you know, you were talking about Jimmy McGuffin and, and the airmail show he was putting on kind of in practice – when they, I, I actually watched this because I wanted to see, because I knew, for example, in the Kyle Malone game with Jamie, it would be dirty at times, and it would be a strategy game, and it wouldn't just be hole for hole for hole, right? And I wanted to see the facial reactions if it was the same. It wasn't, but the ones that got it liked yeah. it more than the other people. Does that make sense to you? Like, yeah, like I mean, yeah, I, I, the I, ones
0: who the ones who appreciate the strategy, they, they,
1: they were like, "Oh!" Like, and they saw what they were doing, and they're like, "Wow, yeah. that's crazy! How are they able to do?" Right. Like, you know, they're they're literally putting the board in spots. You know, the bags on spots yeah. on the board. Like, they, they, you could tell all of a sudden their face just lit up, and that was that was cool to see as well.
0: Yeah. Well, let's get to our guest today. Speaking of uh, Super Bowl and football, and speaking of the pro uh, shootout, our first one in Arizona. Our guest today. Uh, he will be on for the second time, so he is a two-time borderline Ooh. guest. Uh, but again, um, are, are people making fun of my opens? By the way, <laughs> bringing these players on, I think people make fun of us in general. Okay, that's okay. But, but <laughs> as, long, as long as it's both of us, yeah, but, it's, but, it's it's us. But truly, I mean, uh, again, you know, he's a guy that we've known for a long time, and uh, and he has great perspective um, on. Cornhole and playing it. One of the things I love about him is that we, we've talked about this with other guests as well and other players is that we actually have a lot of players now who have kind of crossed over sports right back in the yeah. day, back in high school, or even like in our guest case today played in college at a high level, but many of them have played football, they played uh, basketball, a lot of baseball players. Okay. Um, and, and then we have guys who have played like, like uh, Nate Boyer played darts. Matt Guy started in horseshoes. We have a lot of guys who started in horseshoes. So, many other, many other, uh, you know, cornhole players who have started in other sports. And this guy did the same thing. I talk about it on the broadcast all the time. Former uh, college football player at a high level defensive back at James Madison. But now, I mean, now all of a sudden, he's a huge accomplished cornhole player. Six career titles, and four of those have been round limited like we had in arizona and the winner again winning the first automatic bid on the on the uh, pro shootout double side please welcome back to borderline ryan smith what's up ryan what's
2: going on guys up, what's you happening
0: Hey, dude, thanks for making this work. I know like all of a sudden yeah. I like, I like like Bernie and I were like frantically trying to get you yesterday because we we're like, oh, shit, we got to get Ryan. So, yeah. hey, thanks. For, thanks for making time for us today.
2: Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm finally back to normal. The past two days, I've been like a zombie just trying to catch up on sleep and get adjusted from uh, the trip out to Arizona.
0: Yeah. All right. So we were just talking about you. So Ryan Smith and Ryan Wiedenfeld win. So for those again, who don't know on the pro shootout side, so we have our national tournaments, right? Which are like our majors, but then there's a different tour. You have the pro shootout tour and there's eight stops. So each we have, we have men's singles, women's singles and pro doubles. So each winner gets that automatic bid there'll be eight automatic bids you get into the championship at the end of the season last year it was worth what like five hundred thousand dollars it was something insane so ryan smith ryan wiedenfeld won on the double side so they get that automatic bid they can relax they're in on the double side for the rest of the summer you can just sit back and watch you'll still obviously compete on the single side but um so yeah so long trip out there ryan and, and long trip back did you fly did you drive i mean i'm hoping that you flew
2: yeah, yeah I flew I got in uh Thursday night around eight and then uh just airb or took a uber over to the Airbnb
0: so what was your weekend like? I mean with super hole and with the pro shootout I mean was it just crazy
2: i mean it was it was awesome i mean the the event so I got over there early just to socialize and stuff for the event like hours like three four hours before we actually played and then uh met up with Ryan Fitzpatrick and you know the, the super bowl it didn't didn't go as well as we had hoped but it was still awesome hanging out with them and uh <clears throat> getting to play with Fitzpatrick and things and then uh yeah the shootout i mean yeah, Ryan and i was able to close it out it feels good to get that out of the way and not have to worry about going the gauntlet of the provision to try to lock up a spot in doubles just focusing on singles and that aspect of it um yeah, it was
1: awesome. So, all right, I, I have to do. What What was the other the other football player we had? My brain is really not working. My brain's not back yet.
2: Tyler Lockett. Tyler
1: Lockett. All right. So, you're when I'm looking at Tyler Lockett, I don't see a very large individual. How is someone? And since you're a defensive back, you can probably speak to this more. How is someone his size, physically, able to survive in the NFL? Is it just speed? Just, just pure mean, speed?
2: Well, Ty, he's a, he's a great uh, pass catcher, a great route runner, and uh, you avoid big hits and injuries. I mean, you can make it happen. <laughs> he, he was a big playmaker in college. Uh, I want to say he went to Kansas State. Yep, he did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just been making plays, so you, you avoid big hits and then you, you – great route runners, sort of like an, uh, Julian Edelman or Walker, sure. or smaller type receivers, who just – can get open. You get mismatches when you got linebackers and uh, slower slot corners and safeties guarding you. So
1: it's just it's just when I looked over at him and I met him, I was like, wow. When I think NFL player, even even some of the wide receivers are just jacked up dudes, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you see Tyron, I'm like, wow. I
2: mean, that you compare guy. him. You compare him to his counterpart, DK Metcalf. Right. <laughs>
1: <It's> like, right. <laughs> DK Metcalf looks like a Mr. <laughs> Olympia competition guy. Yeah. yeah right. So that was nuts
0: well that so so you referenced it Ryan but yeah i mean I, I would say i would say a bit of an upset because you were playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick right yep i mean fits magic it's and magic. Uh, you know by the way by the way i mean for a guy who's who a lot of people kind of make fun of he had he actually had a hell of a career i was looking back in his numbers you know 14 16 years in the nfl he he threw for over 34,000 yards yeah, in, in his so, career yeah. so i mean he actually had some some legit numbers but but the big thing is for again for those who who weren't following or didn't watch ryan fitzpatrick nfl quarterback um a good cornhole player like legit cornhole player and apparently back during practice the practice session back in the green area um he was killing it and i don't know if the nerves got to him i mean you can you can talk about it but but i mean tyler lockett wasn't that who you guys? Yeah. Cause you guys yeah, played yeah. Tyler, and Tyler Lockett had never played before. Great football <laughs> player, but, but I mean, he, but his cornhole experience was literally zero. And so yeah. I really thought that, that you and Fitz were going to, we going to run the table. So what, what happened? What happened with Fitzpatrick?
2: I mean, I think from down there and Tyler actually played a lot better than I expected. And he, when he did miss, we weren't able to capitalize, <clears throat> which Ryan told me at the end. And then down my end, Cheyenne didn't miss anything. She, I guess she saved all the misses for the next game because <laughs> she gave up a 10 and a 5 back-to-back rounds, but yeah, right. she hit everything at my end, and then, yeah, we just couldn't capitalize down there. Um, I mean, we still should have won. I gave up a 6, I think, the last round, but yeah it just just didn't pan out well
0: (laughs) how much what what is it what is it like to play in those because i I mean i can tell you just, just honestly between you me bernie and everyone else watching our other 15 listeners it's a train wreck on the broadcast side i mean it really is because you got people screaming you got people yelling you got people cheering uh, the players are talking to each other. They're trash talking. You guys are trying to talk a little bit of strategy. You try, guys are trying to coach. We're trying to talk and, and tell everyone what the hell is going on. It seriously feels like a train wreck. I mean, what does it feel I mean- like to you guys up there?
2: Yeah, I just kind of go with the flow. Never know what's going to happen. Like on the last round, we still had a chance to win. And uh, Tyler like went behind the board and like raised up his shirt and started doing <laughs> yeah. all sorts of stuff. mid <laughs> yeah. throwing and it maybe double clutch and then I ended up shanking the bag. So I mean, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen in that at all. So
0: Yeah, I mean, we've had like Jeff Morrow from the Food Network last year uh, brought out a flask and started pouring shots down everyone's yeah. throat <laughs> during the broadcast. Yeah, it, it,
1: it's, it's definitely a different seat, Joe. All right piggyback on your question jet is it hard for you guys as cornhole professionals to focus when you're playing in super hole
2: events i mean me personally no because i i just i think i it in a different mindset like it's it's more i don't know it's more like stress-free and just social it's almost like playing back home with friends or something you never know what they're going to do they might push you they might punch you or something while you're doing so it's <laughs> for me it's sort of like it's sort of like that vibe where you're talking in between bags a lot more and just, yeah, just going with the flow. So I kind of take it from that, that perspective.
0: What'd you think of the venue? Bernie and I were talking about it before you came on, but I mean, it pretty pretty (laughs) damn bougie, huh?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. I I loved the (laughs) setup. Like it was just, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Like just uh, cars in the backdrop. Definitely
1: wasn't your normal cornhole crowd.
2: No, it wasn't, but it was sweet though. Everyone <laughs> was like talking to us and asking questions and it, I loved it.
0: Did you meet like like who was who, who were the most popular people? Apparently the guys from Breaking Bad were there. Did you meet any of those people or were you too I didn't focused? get to
2: meet them. I heard them late, uh, I heard about that late in the uh like once everything was winding down, but no, I didn't get to meet them. Just a whole bunch of random people I just started <laughs> making conversations with and things. So it was it was pretty cool.
0: Hey, I want to get your thoughts real quick before we uh, talk more about you and Ryan Wiedenfeld and your guys win. Uh, What were your thoughts on Jamie's match with Kyle Malone? Because Jamie, obviously, as as most people watching this podcast know, tied with Matt Guy with uh, 18 career titles. So they're tied for first all time. So Jamie had a chance to pass Matt Guy. But damn it, Ryan. Kyle is just I mean, he's at another level right now. So I wasn't surprised. But what were your thoughts on that match?
2: No, he was throwing. Watching it, I knew it was going to be close because they were both, you know, when they left a blocker, they were just both like uh, going in, replacing. It was like a matter of who's going to miss, who hit the big shot. And I think the turning point in that match is when Kyle hit the airmail to drag. I think he got two and then it forced Jamie to do something similar two rounds later and he ended up missing. But that was the difference. I mean, that could have gone either way. They both were on and then it was just a matter of uh, an airmail at the right time.
0: Yeah. So one, now, one of my, one of my, also one of my favorite shots was, um, Jamie had to try and lay, lay a blocker. I, th- I think he was trying to lay yeah. a blocker behind because Kyle had a couple of bags right around the hole. Uh, mm-hmm. Jamie had one a little bit front, right. and And he really needed to kind of go front left to block Kyle. He left a little bit too far left and literally left just a small lane in between his two bags. And and Anthony Ione nailed it on the broadcast. He said, "Jeff, he's left a lane." And I'm like, "A lane? There's like three inches. How the hell is he going to get in there?" And sure enough, I don't know if you remember the shot, but he went hard, slick side push right up the middle, hit that perfect little three inch gap, and took them all in, collected them all. I mean, it was it was it was a high level skill shot.
2: No, definitely. I mean, he's at that level, and the way he's been throwing, yeah, it's that was huge. I think that that might have been like the game sealer there. Once he collected yeah. that for a four spot, I think. Or- yep, it was. Listen to, Je- Listen to Jeff. Where
1: well, the hell, yeah, yeah, the the hell that comes side, from? Push. That was That was nice, Jeff.
0: I, that, that was, was awesome. like an automatic experience. What the hell just yeah. happened? Uh, wait, all right. So let's. So then you had to switch gears, right, after Super Hole, and and get on the court to try and win that automatic bid in doubles with Ryan Wiedenfeld. And again, before we get into a story about his dad, that aside. You remember this, Ryan, and, and maybe it's a little bit easier for you because you, you played, uh, you played football at a high level, and and you played at James Madison, you know, televised games, so in front of crowds. So maybe it wasn't a big deal for you back when you made your your ESPN debut. But this kid is 16, 17 years old, and and on top of the fact that his father just passed away, you know, less than a month ago, he's got to be on national TV for the first time. Like did you sense any nerves in him at all cuz I thought I thought I couldn't believe how composed he was?
2: No, nah, I didn't sense anything. I mean, he we had played in a a couple tournaments leading up to this um that he was still down to play in and he seemed fine. Like he's normal. he's really quiet anyway. <clears throat> I didn't think the stage itself would get to him after uh, Myrtle Beach. What when we played Trevor Brooks and Bernardet and him withstanding Trevor talking the entire match, talking directly <laughs> at him. And he was just throwing lights out. I was like, this broadcast stage isn't gonna be nothing to him. Cause you just having to, if you're not used to listening to Trevor talk and just talk trash, it'll, it will get in your head. So, and he was not phased at all. And I was like, okay, yeah, this dude is, he's, he's an assassin, like he's, that does not phase him at all. All right,
1: so Ryan, you've developed this point in your career where you've, you've moved into an upper echelon status anyway. But you've now become one of the best players in the game in a round-limited format. And for those at home that don't understand how super how our uh,
0: shootout.
1: Yeah, shootout series works, it's best of 12 in practice and best of 10 rounds when you get on TV. Why are you so good in round-limited formats? What's, what are you doing differently, if anything, at all? What, what is it about your game that suits that format
2: um for me I just feel like uh, I have the advantage going against fast bag players for one because if I get up early I feel like I have a maybe even greater chance of winning because what can they do they're not gonna block me I'm just gonna roll over it they're not used to blocking or I'm just gonna right. roll over it uh, I feel like yeah and I just it's more strategy I just try to get up I limit the airmails I just roll over everything or cause chaos and just try to get a point here and there. And then I'm always thinking how many rounds left. I'll just watch this round out. It's just constantly thinking and just trying to get out of it. Basically you're just trying to survive for 10 to 12 rounds. And a lot of people still play it with the same mindset as if they're playing a 21, which is their, their downfall. It's for me, it's completely different.
0: 100%. Yeah, I, I heard. I heard uh, somebody say. I don't think you told me this. I think it was somebody else who said that that you had been talking about it and that that you really wanted to try and get out to an early lead and 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 it was just crucial to score first. And Ryan, I mean, that is spot on. I don't know if you know the stat. Um, I asked Trey about this, and um, unfortunately, we didn't know the exact number before we went on the broadcast. We were trying to find it, but last year's shootout, the player that scored first won over 70 percent of the wow.
1: that's a crazy stat actually isn't seventy percent
0: yeah and at one point i think it was in the 80s but, but by the time the season ended i think it was i think it was the 70s so that strategy to get on top early i mean obviously that 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 there's something to that
2: no definitely i mean um yeah going into uh arizona that was i mean obviously that was our game plan but we had <clears throat> ryan and i had a strategy he was going to go hole for hole with Jimmy and I was going to block Damon. That was the, that was the game plan, but he got a six to start. So I'm like, all right, scratch that. There's no point in blocking now. So,
0: <laughs> I threw the first, I think nine or 10
2: in a hole. In the hole. I was like, there's no point in blocking if we're up 6-0 in 10 rounds or nine rounds to go. So kind of just scratched it and went with it.
1: Did you, did you feel any pressure Plant, with all that the Weidenfeld family had been through and Ryan and getting there and the whole family was there and all the all the emotion. He is a quiet kid. You're not really going to see much on his face, but obviously there's stuff going on behind there. Considering everything he's been through, did you feel any added pressure, or were you just like, "Hey, man, let's just play blinders, not worry about it"? Or did you feel any added pressure? I don't want to let this kid down right now, considering everything he's been through.
2: Um, I wouldn't. Want, I wouldn't say pressure. I mean, we had played an event the week before out in North Dakota, and then New Mexico as well. Mm. Um, after all he's gone through and he seemed fine, we talked and chatted and hung out outside of Cornell and things. But I, me personally, I was just more motivated to win it for him. Like, I wanted, like, I know this is his first stage, his whole family was going to be there. I was like, I want to win this for him. Like, I mean, I want to win myself, but I just, it was just more motivation to just want to win it for him.
1: And I, you know, well, sorry, Jeff, real quick, and yeah. then I'll, I'll get out of your way on this. But I think you guys could not have been playing a better team in that situation than Damon Dennis and uh, God, my brain today.
0: Jimmy (laughs) McGuffin.
1: Jimmy. What is going on? Jimmy McGuffin, Damon Dennis, because they wanted him to win too. You know what I mean? Like there's certain group, certain people you could have played that are like, I don't care who we're playing. We want to win. And they do want to win all the time, but they're gentlemen. Right. And I know for a fact that they weren't too upset that y'all won that match.
2: No, they're, they're awesome team players. And, Actually, I think later that night or the next day, Damon messaged me, you know, just like congrats and things. He's – you can never be against them. I mean, he's he's a great team sport, great guy in general. So, yeah. no, they, they're they definitely – I mean, obviously they wanted to win, but they're they're great te- – uh, they're great guys.
0: Ryan, I got a chance to talk to uh, Ryan Wiedenfeld for about, oh, I don't know, five minutes just before your guys' contest. And uh, didn't talk about his dad uh, much. But um, uh, something he said to me right away when we talked about playing on national TV for the first time is he said he was most, he said he wasn't really nervous. He said he's just the the most anxious moment he had was his first bag. He was wondering what that first bag was going to feel like (laughs) under the lights coming out of his hand. And damn it, if he didn't just rip it right in the hole, I mean, just flipped it, just hammered it right in. I thought that was an awesome moment.
2: No, no, that was awesome. I think he was probably more so worried about those boards being faster than because I had been telling him that the broadcast court's are usually faster and probably just focusing on not blowing it off the back. But, no, nah, he was – after the first bag went in, I knew he'd be fine. He was rock solid. And then I think what helped him even more is the next bag, Jimmy laid a block, and that, that's Ryan's game. He immediately just rolled cut right over it, like without even thinking. Yeah. That's just his normal place. So I think that even made him feel even more comfortable after that.
1: That's the beauty yeah. of teenage nerves, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not even thinking about it. Just, just you know, what, this is. Just, I, I bet it wasn't even a second thought in his head.
2: Seriously. It wasn't. It was as soon as the bag hit the board, he was already in mid-throw. Like yeah. he already knew what was going. On.
0: So let's let's wrap this up. Personal, on a personal level, uh, did did he talk to you? I mean, his dad literally just passed away. Um, We we haven't heard a whole lot of details. Uh, It might have been an accident, from what we heard, and and again, again, it was unexpectedly that his father passed away. And his dad, it sounds like Ryan and you probably know better than we do. It sounds like his dad. You know, it's one thing to lose your dad. It's it's another thing to lose your dad when he is your biggest fan, your biggest supporter, your your inspiration, your motivation. It sounds like he was a huge part of of Ryan's life. So to unexpectedly uh, lose him and then still have to compete at a high level and travel with, with you know, the, those heavy thoughts. I mean, did you guys talk about that at all?
2: Um, we didn't talk much. And when I heard about it, you know, I, I shot him a message like, hey, man, I'm here if you want to, you know, if you need anything. Or if, like, this was – a few weeks before the events we had coming up. So I'm like, if you don't want to play, I completely understand. I, you know, it's, it's totally understandable, but he wanted to play. Like he, he wanted to still get out and play. So we went to New Mexico, North Dakota leading up to Arizona and, you know, he, um, he seemed pretty composed and, you know, just still doing his thing very quiet, but still throwing bags. So I think that was kind of, you know, and, and going back to, uh, His father, yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting him in Myrtle Beach. Uh, He was there when we qualified for this event. So Ryan doesn't say a lot, but I know it meant even more so enough that he was there to watch us qualify, that he wanted to win this for, you know, him and his family as well. So I'm just happy we were able to get it done.
0: Yeah, that was that was a that was a special moment for for many reasons. And you're right. He he his 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 level of play. That was the first time I had a chance to watch him play live. That and is he is. I mean, he is he is an assassin, like you said. I mean, just just no emotion. And he knows. And he knows exactly what he's gonna throw. Like I didn't see much hesitation or much thought at all. I mean, I, I feel like his level of of his IQ level of the sport so high that he just instantly processes what he's going to throw next.
2: Definitely. that's uh, yeah. He, sure. uh, I think he paused one time when I think it was somewhere mid-game, or I think when they got two, maybe the second or third round. He paused because I told him to lay a block because if Jimmy airmailed, he was going to drag our bag. And I know he wanted to probably roll over it, and he tried to block <laughs> and it and kicked out. And Jimmy ended up getting two. But that, yeah, yeah, that's usually the only time he slowed down. Most, in a singles match, he probably would have rolled over it without even thinking. <laughs> so yeah he's, he's a fast processor, and he, he plays smart, aggressive, but smart. Like he, yep. he'll, he'll go bag for bag when he needs to. He'll get make it messy and dirty when he wants to as well. So it's like a combination which is just deadly.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a perfect example of that new wave, right? Yep. These young kids coming up. I mean there, there's a lot of players, and they all kind of play just like that. They don't really not all of them play to that level, but it's a lot of that same style. And it's all these kids, and they're coming. It's a lot of them, and they're coming. Definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ryan, Bernie, and I call them using the baseball analogy five tool players because they can do everything. Like you just said, I yep. mean, if Ryan wants to go hole for hole, he's going to do that. But yet, if he needs to roll, he'll do that. You know, he can play messy. He can he can play slide. I mean, it's it, it to be able to do that. Um, that that is going to be the future of the sport to be that five tool player.
2: Definitely. Yep. I think he threw like a ten eight or ten nine and shootouts, and he, that's usually his average. Usually isn't that high because he usually laying blockers or doing yeah. stuff. But I mean, he can he has that, you know, he has the capability and talent of doing that when he wants to.
0: Yeah. Hey, we started. I wanted to ask you. We started talking about uh, Jamie Graham and eighteen career titles, uh, tied <laughs> with Matt Guy for first all time. So you're you're making your way up that list. So you've got six now. I don't know if you know that. I was just I was just talking with Trey Ryder before we came on and. You got you got six career titles. I think is where you're at, and and working yeah. your way up that list. Um, how much do you think about that, or is that just something stupid that I talk about and and I don't talk about? I mean, I it's, about
2: it? <laughs> I mean it, it's cool to you know know that stat and things and how you ranks amongst you know others in the division. But <clears throat> I don't let it get to my head too much. Cause, I mean, I still want I want to win every event I go and play in anyway. But it it's just cool to to you know have tabs on you know how many titles you. – You've gotten in the you know against
0: everyone else. <clears throat> you're tied with Jordan Camban and Adam Hisner. I don't know if that means anything to you. <laughs>
2: and,
1: and actually,
0: actually, you're only one behind Jeff. James James Baldwin.
1: Yeah, oh, watch out, Jeff, oh. Jeff. Jeff is a stat machine.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, got Winterhaven Winterhaven coming up next week, so I'll try to pass them there.
0: I do, I do love it though because I mean, I just, I just like, I like stats. Like, I love it in golf, right? I mean, that was a huge storyline in golf with Tiger Woods. You know, was he going to catch Jack yeah, for the all-time I, majors? You know, list? I, I, I'm a Debbie
1: Downer kind of guy because I think those numbers are great as long as everyone got the same chance to win those numbers. Yeah, and I think with the shootout series.
0: You are different. Debbie Downer. Now you're just going to ruin the whole. No, moment. because not everyone got to, Not everyone didn't have years of playing
1: with shootout series championships, and if we're counting those to be the same level as a national that's a little different to me. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think there has to be an asterisk in there as to what the, what the win actually is. So I am Debbie Downer. Once again, sorry, Ryan. Hey, it's, it's,
0: it's, it's got to start. It's got to start somewhere though. Baseball, they didn't always play 162 games. Football sure. didn't always play 17 games, obviously. I, I, I mean, I, I, I hear you. And, and there's an
1: asterisks in the uh, record books are there not. For 17-game seasons for the NFL, if you break the rushing record, didn't Eric Dickerson get a mention when he broke Jim Brown in two extra games? Wasn't there a mention in the Hall of Fame for that? I don't know. Is a, was, was it just straight apples for apples?
0: Yeah, I don't know. But, but that's what I mean. I mean at, some, at, at some point, every that's, sport changes. That's
2: so. slightly different, though, uh, Bernie, because everyone's <laughs> still playing. And it, I'd see if, like... Some got cut up and they couldn't play in shootouts or something like that. Once you
1: even 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 more to my point, not everyone can even play it. You know, certain players can't even play in the shootouts, so you're taking them completely away from it. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, it's 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 tough. Is all I'm saying. It's tough to just go blindly by it.
0: But But I know, I know, I know.
1: Jeff loves the stats. I know he does. (laughs) I do. I like it. He's a baseball guy. Baseball guys love stats.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's where it comes from. Yeah. Hey Ryan. So, so, uh, where, where do you feel like your game is at as it wrap things up right now? I mean, uh, like I told you when we were talking, I uh, kind of wanted to hit you up on, on, you know, where you're at with your mindsets and, and your confidence and practice. And are you, are you still, are you still, I mean, this is another issue I've been talking to a lot of players about. I don't want to name any names, but you know, it's getting difficult right now because, um, you know, there's a lot of players who have gone full time in this sport. Or, mm-hmm. and, and there's also a lot of young players who don't have jobs who are just going to school and playing cornhole. Uh, it, it feels like we're in a real critical time right now. I mean, so how are how are you? Are you still working? Have you gone full time? Where are you at right now?
2: Oh no, I, I wish I could go full time, but I'm still <laughs> I, I'm still expensive uh, out here in Northern Virginia. So I'm uh, I'm still working full time, but I'm also still putting in the time to uh, you know practice and compete at a high level because. I said the the younger guys, I mean, I'm not that old, but the younger guys, the younger crew are are throwing nonstop all day, every day. And that's the only way to keep up. There's no way I can just roll up to tournaments and without practice and expect to win it or be at the top of it. So it's, I just got to keep myself motivated just to know like, Hey, they're practicing. I got to put in some time too. So even when I'm tired, I'm like dragging myself over to the warehouse just to throw for like 30, 40 minutes before calling it a night. I mean, that's just what you got to do at this level.
1: How how hard is it for you then? Like, all right, this is a question I want to ask every pro that has a full-time job. How on earth do you guys get the time off of work to travel as much as you do?
2: So um, my department and job is a a bit uh, flexible, which works in my favor, but at the same time, for most events, it's usually only Friday. Where I'm having to take off. Um, right. And that's usually for national pro events. Opens, I usually just miss the blind draw and I'll fly out Friday after work. For Nationals, it starts on Friday. So those are usually when I have to take days off, like a Friday, and then I'll just fly out Thursday night. So, and I'm usually flying back Thursday evening and I'm at work Monday. So I, I kind of, and I work in logistics and supply chain. So I'm dealing with airlines and flouts, flights and routing. So this is like, it's like second nature to me to like change a flight quick or like book something to get me back. So I, everyone else is like flipping shit. I'm I love that. I, mean, I, I change flights in the instant. I'm always looking at something like, well, I lost out. I can fly out. I'm always. I got all the apps, and so that's not even an issue with me there. So that kind of benefits me as well.
0: So, Ryan, real quick, what's your day like then? I mean, working a full time job, you said you try to play even if you're tired, try to play for 30 minutes at night. But I mean, what what do you do for a living exactly? And what is your day? Do you work from home?
2: Um, No, I usually go into the office. So I'm a project manager in the uh, logistics supply chain field. So uh, we're just shipping stuff from point A to point B, usually third world countries. so I'm in an office and I'm sending emails, WhatsApp, Skype messages, talking on the phone all day. And then uh, usually get off around four or five, go home, change, hit the gym, get out of there about you know, seven, eight. And then on my way home, the warehouse is like five minutes from my, uh, where I live. So I'll just stop by the warehouse and throw for about uh, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, how I'm feeling. If I'm feeling good and I'm just hitting all my shots, I'll cut it short. I'm working on something leading up to an event like leading up to Arizona this uh, this past week or last week, I was actually practicing a lot of blockers because that was, like I was telling you, that was my game plan. I knew I was throwing against Damon because he was throwing outside arm. So I was practicing laying blockers. So I spent more time after the gym just practicing laying first bag blocks, making it messy. Um, so, yeah, I'll do that if I'm working on something for, you know, a particular opponent or event or something I just want to, you know, get better um
1: I, but yeah you, I, i'm still struggling with the fact that you say you go to the gym i don't believe that at all
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, he, does, he doesn't look ripped at all does he um <laughs> yeah he doesn't look like a guy who has a negative yeah, body yeah. Fat.
2: yeah but but now nah, um, what but must I, that be like
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but now nah, i try to uh, yeah get in good solid hour or so and then head home and call it a night and that's typically most days I try to get, I don't usually practice every day. I try to get at least one day in a break. It's usually Monday. Um, if I'm a long week, I'm not practicing. I usually don't even go to the gym to work and then I just come home and sleep and rest. And that's, that's usually how Mondays go. Um, and then I'll pick it back up the rest of the week.
0: It's interesting. You, you mentioned, uh, that you knew you're gonna play Damon Dennis. I mean, this was a rare event where yeah. where it was almost like a football game, right? We knew who the opponents were gonna be. You knew who you were gonna play against so you could come up with some sort of strategy. I mean you're actually Ryan, I think I think we've talked to you in the past about uh using video to scout yourself, to scout other players. Did you do any of that when before did you watch any well, video before you to, played?
2: I didn't have to do a video because at Myrtle Beach we actually played Jimmy and Damon later that day in or the next day in the open division and they beat us. And I threw, I think I threw a 10 in that game and Damon threw a 10 eight, they beat us 21, 14. I was like, all right, there's no way I'm throwing a 10 when we play them in the shootout and I get just four back to death. So Ryan, I had already talked to Ryan cause he was, I knew da- Damon that's how I knew Damon would be throwing outside arm. They weren't gonna switch. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm blocking. I'm not letting him throw four bags in the hole over and over and over on me again. So from there, I already knew what I was doing.
0: Yeah, love it well hey we're we're out of time but thank you so much for coming on uh, always, always awesome. great to catch up with you and and hey your voice by the way yeah. um I, because I, I, the truth <laughs> truth be told we wanted to have you on again about about a month ago but i don't think your voice was right where it was at how you feeling uh, everything good with your voice
2: it's good i mean i'm two surgeries down i actually got a third one march 9th so wow. i'm at like i'm at like 80 90 now everything's healing well i just got to do uh one more cleanup procedure but yeah it's already 10 times better than it was a month ago two months ago you wouldn't be able to hear anything i was saying it was it was pretty bad so it's i'm thankful to have my voice back
0: real real quick in like 30 seconds what what was it because i'm sure a lot of people who don't know
2: so so i don't know all the technical names there's a lot of stuff i have on papers at home but it was basically like a a large lesion that was on my right vocal cord and it was restricting it from vibrating so it just (laughs) sounded like like, you know, I had really bad strep throat or no voice. And it was like this for months. I mean, since like uh, September, it was just bad. And the first procedure, it got a little better, but not really. And then it was just such long times in between the procedures because the doctor was busy. So it it, it was hectic and just like, uh, so I had to battle through that and still practice, but not talk to people at tournaments and all this. Yeah. So it was...
0: Yeah, just, I know. Just, just, play, for- just playing head
1: games with people. Hey Ryan, what's
0: <laughs> Yeah, not, not right now. Don't have time. Not right now. <laughs> uh, especially for a game that's so social, right? I mean, there's yeah. so many people. I mean, hundreds of people at these events. But hey, exactly. you look great. Congratulations on the win. Uh so happy that, that everything's working better. You sound great too. So uh thanks for coming on again. And we'll see you uh we'll see you again soon.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Thanks, Jeff. Bernie. See, see you.
0: Hi, bud. Ryan Smith. Yeah, I mean, he's great with his football background. Love talking about that. And I yeah. remember we had that conversation. He literally scouts himself. Like, he'll watch a video of himself, watch a video of his opponents. I love that. I mean, it's, it's awesome I think it's how awesome. How he's, how he's kind of worked worked Th- that there, over. There are other questions
1: race. I want to ask Ryan. I just don't know if he really wants to talk about
0: it. Oh, a tease. All right, we got to go. We'll the, we'll, <laughs> re- re- remember that. Let's talk about that next week. Uh, okay. Yes, sir. All right. Have a good week, bud. All right, buddy. All right. Bye, everybody.